Body, Mind, Spirit Radio, offering quality live programming with holistic, spiritual, psychic, and metaphysical hosts. Welcome to Sacred Sexuality with Leslie Blackburn. Straight talk, enthusiastic support, and heartfelt encouragement for you to open up to your sacred sexuality. And now your host, Leslie Blackburn. Hmm, yay, my love. Thank you so much. And here as we gather today, I'm really honored once again to be sharing and to be hosting and exploring these beautiful topics of sacred sexuality. Each show will include meditations, discussion, education, and awareness on facets of our sexuality and consciousness that many of us don't get a chance to openly explore. It really is about slowing way down with love and respect and honoring our sexuality and our sacred bodies, which are so often hidden in the shadows, squashed away or misunderstood. And as we explore today, we get a special, mm, a special new exploration today, and I'll share about that in just a moment. And we're now in January. So just having moved through the deep dark solstice time in the Northern Hemisphere, we're in a place of reemergence a little bit. And I'm noticing outside this sense of grayness. Um, We've had an interesting few days of winter here in Michigan where it's been really bright and sunny. And today I'm feeling myself kind of like, ooh, slowing back down again. It's a kind of a curiosity. I love feeling and meeting into the earth and the cycle that it offers. So as we begin today, we're going to begin with a little breath, a little sink in, feel in our body, and be. So I invite you to settle in, notice where you are in the space, feeling your body, and as we honor being here now, What's it like to ah, exhale with a little sound and let go of the day? Whether you're joining us live or later in the archives, settling in and feeling the connection that we're co-creating in this space. To gather together, to be, to open, to allow ourselves to be authentically alive in who we are. And open to the possibilities, open to the ecstatic currents that are around us, that are us, always. What's it like to allow, open, and receive, meeting those sensations? So take a moment to notice your body relative to the planet, to ah, exhale and relax down into the support of the earth. And to feel for a moment your midline, maybe relate to that as your spine, the central channel of your body, 
scanning down from the crown of the head through the centers of the brain, the throat, the heart, diaphragm, belly, pelvic bowl, pelvic floor. Feeling the root system from the pelvic floor and the feet down through into the through the foundation of the structure you're in into the soil. Letting yourself feel a connection of yes. Mother Earth, Earth Lover, help me to connect my womb to your womb, to feel the deep space of pelvic bowl. Connect. To the earth. And at the same time, noticing above the sense of connection of soul purpose and alignment with creator, with life, with mystery. And aligning for together our soul purpose as we embark upon this journey today. So with the breath of gratitude for yourself, for taking time for you. When you're ready, gently open the eyes. Ah, coming back into the space of visual awareness and relating. So as we settle in today, I want to take a moment to introduce our topic. We are going to explore today the topics of polyamory and non-monogamy. And I have a special guest with us today. And this guest is Anya Light. And Anya is, as I'm finding, yeah, Anya, let's bring Anya on. Great. Yay, Anya. Hi. Hello. Hi. So Anya is a PhD. She is an intuitive life coach, meditation teacher, Reiki master, and poet. She's the author of Opening Love, Intentional Relationships, and the Evolution of Consciousness. And currently, she's writing a book about healing trauma. In Sanskrit, the word Anya means inexhaustible. And I feel that in you, Anya. She gave herself the name as a symbol of her inexhaustible passion to help others on their healing journeys. Her core message is love. So Anya offers private healing sessions in Ohio as well as to anyone in the world online by phone or Skype and teaches across the country. Learn more at AnyaLight.com. And Anya, welcome. Thank you for joining us today. Mm, it's so exciting to be here, Leslie. Thank you. You're welcome. And as I'm sitting in with this topic that we talked about exploring today, polyamory and non-monogamy, there's this nature of, hmm, what's it like for me as I journeyed, I've been journeying, my personal journey in polyamory has actually been, I realize now, since probably roughly 2004 and has looked so many different ways at different times. Um, you know, what I thought it was at one point has become something different, has changed, has now been nine years with a committed um, primary partner and, and our explorations of 
poly and non-monogamy in our world over those nine years even has looked different in each of those in each of those years. So mm-hmm. I'm curious for you, what does polyamory mean for you? Hmm. <sighs> polyamory is a state of being first and foremost. So um, it's it's like an approach to daily living that involves keeping the heart open to new experiences. And um, a lot of it, in my view, is very infused with Buddhist uh, ideas about impermanence and things coming, things going, arising, falling, changing. We can't hold on to anything forever. We, we, um, we will die one day. Our lovers will die or move on from us or things will happen. Things will change. So it's just a recognition of this impermanent nature of life itself. And so it honors polyamory honors that fact that I don't think any of us can deny. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I mean, I guess we could try, but it wouldn't really work <laughs> to, to, to try to argue that point. Um, polyamory just takes that into account into the context of romantic, intimate, sexual relationships and sort of uses that knowing as a way to explore that concept in a really real, deep, profound way. So, um so some people can explore um, the profoundness of connection through um, the more like, n- recon- easily recognizable way would be through a monogamous relationship where you invest so much energy into this one person and then they invest their energy back to you. That's the way that most people think is like the, the only way to do it, but there's so many other ways to do it as well. And um, Polly just takes the approach of um, saying, well, we can love infinitely and we also can be open to change. So if, you know, in the course of our relationship of two, there are other people who enter our sphere that we feel deep love for, let's not just close that down automatically, but let's be open to what, what the universe might want us to explore. So it's a very flowy thing. Yes. Yeah. That makes, that's what I've noticed as well is like this way in which it, it doesn't, you know, the, the, the love doesn't have to be limited. Like what's it like to stay wide and open to seeing what our bodies and our hearts guide us into rather than what, a rigid structure somebody else named says we should be. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. And impermanence. I was appreciating you hear, hearing you bring that loop in um, of sitting with like, wow, nothing is forever. You know, really nothing is. And, you know, it makes me curious about that, that sort of rigidity of the thing that says, the, the the societal structures we've created that say, well, it has to look this way and be forever, like really yeah. is kind of <laughs> kicking ourselves in the in the tush because like yeah, there, there is no forever ever, and why why are we yeah. setting ourselves up for so much um, 
strife that can happen in the trying to create forever. Yeah. And I mean, how many couples do you know, Leslie? I mean, I know so many that they are so in love. And then the moment they get married, the moment they sign those contracts, something just happens. Some The magic somehow just gets sucked right out. And then there's some kind of like energetic burden thing that happens, some kind of subconscious weight. And then all of a sudden, like they're fighting and they're arguing. Next thing you know, they're divorced. You're like, what just happened? And I think it has something to do with what you just said, this kind of societal um, thing that we put on love to say it should be forever until you die or whatever. And it's like, that's a lot of pressure. Not that we can grow from having a challenge. Cause I think that's, I think like kind of is sort of an interesting thing that I've discovered, um, especially since publishing the book, you know, I, I came out, opening love came out and I thought to myself, I would never ever want to explore another intimate relationship unless the person was polyamorous, of course, because that is my path. And, you know, as soon as you tell the universe that's your path, the universe laughs and says, yeah, let me show you this other thing. (laughs) So I met this person who was very monogamously minded, who had a tiny like toe of curiosity dipped in the water of poly, but for the most part was, was monogamously oriented. And the relationship was so strong and so intense that I gave it a shot and it was really a great learning experience for me because I got to experience monogamy from a conscious point of view, meaning I had already tried something else and like questioned these ideas. And then through that relationship, I went sort of back to monogamy, but not in the same way as before. It was from a different viewpoint. It was from more of a conscious choice. I guess I'm choosing this. Like, what does that mean? And it was super fascinating. It really Mm -hmm. was. Um, So I just think that like, but even though I was in that more monogamous relationship, which I mean, even if I told people the specifics of it, they would probably still classify it as polyamorous because, you know, I was cuddling with all my friends and things like that. But anyway, um, but through that whole thing, it was kind of like a wonderful revelation of just being open. And in my heart, you know, I still felt polyamorous and that um, my heart never closed to anyone. It may have been that I had boundaries in terms of my body and connecting with others, but in my heart, my emotions, my intelligence, my spirit, I was always just as open as I ever was. So Mm. poly can be so much more than just what you're doing in your specific intimate relationship at the time. It can be just a, a deeper way of living in the world. Absolutely. Yeah, I love hearing your reflections on that because I, to me, what I found, and as I've worked and and coached folks in the realm of polyamory, whether it's been individuals or couples or poly trios or small groups, um, the the skills of like being conscious about, as you named it, like being conscious about what are my boundaries, what is the space I need to hold, honoring what I call honoring our sacred body. So yeah. honoring our sacred body and honoring our sacred relating and making conscious choices and communicating clearly and honestly and in integrity with all involved is is an awesome skill for anyone, no matter mm-hmm. no matter how 
we label our interactions. So we might be what I call honoring sacred celibacy or sacred monogamy or sacred polyamory. Um, and they're all, they're all valid and valuable. Like it, it's not about one being better than another. To Absolutely. me, it's about we bring, yeah, that sacred intention and conscious communication to, to life. Like, like you mentioned early on, yes. the lifestyle, the way of being. And, you know, I've heard some people say, but Polly sounds too hard. You have to work too hard at it. I'm like, if you're not putting effort and joy and connection, making, you know, in bringing integrity and honesty into connections in your monogamous relationship. Yeah. Like, that's exactly that's not, not so great. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. It's kind of. I, I almost feel like sometimes people, because they don't consciously think about how they want their relationships to be, they don't question these things that they do put so much on autopilot. It's just like, mm. it's just, okay, now we're together and now we're going to get married and now we're going to have kids and now we're going to do this. And everything is kind of just like, let's follow the rule book and just be robots. I mean, I'm not <laughs> trying to be mean. I'm just saying like that. But if you bring some consciousness into it and ask some questions, I mean, it's pretty amazing where you can go. And I love what you said about, you know, it's not like one path is better than the other. And I think the reasons I was brought into that more monogamous relationship after my book came out was the fact that I, at the time um, that Opening Love like was birthed into the world, I was so passionate and excited about it because it was still relatively newer to me. I had only been practicing polyamory for about six or something years at the time. And so I was kind of like in the new, like I was in NRE, you know, new relationship energy with polyamory. And so I Uh think unintentionally I may have projected a bit of superiority that, that even though that was not my intention, I think that was happening to some extent. And I think then the monogamy relationship came in to kind of teach me like, teach me not to be that way because truly it is all, about choice. And it's like, and, and in the same way too, you know, I, I feel like there's no spiritual path that's better than another. I mean, you want to be yeah. a Hindu, great. You want to be a Jew, great. Like it doesn't matter. It's all just, what do you want? What do you feel? Mm-hmm. So like honoring all the different paths, I think is so freeing for people because then if you give, if you just allow that I mean, I guess it all just starts within ourselves. So if we each allow ourselves to make those choices and to just explore, then we have such freedom and such relief to not have to make, quote, the correct choice, right, or be afraid of making some kind of mistake. We can just explore things. And if they don't, like, last forever, that's fine. We can always do something different later. It's not – I think so many people are afraid of making mistakes that they are holding themselves back from – things that could be potentially very life-giving. Mm, yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, yeah, this is such a, a path of really deeply listening, in my opinion, like really deeply listening to our bodies and each other and opening to what may be. Um, we have a question. We have a caller. Let me bring this caller on. A question for you, Anya. Um, All right. Great. So, Linda, Linda? Yeah. Great. I um it sounds like you're calling in from Pennsylvania? Yep. 
great. And Hi, Linda. Question. Hi. What's your um, question? My question is. My question is, Anya. Um, uh, what factors do you think led to such great success in your committed relationship? Like, um, do you think um, uh, there are like certain personalities that you have, or values that you have, or maybe your mindset that made the attraction so like complete? You know. Hmm. Good question. I never thought about that. Um, hmm. I mean, I guess, Linda, I do my best to listen to myself and honor myself as a unique person. So um, that often leads me down the path of being sort of a cultural societal rebel. <laughs> so um, and it's just little things like, just as an example, I remember when I stopped shaving my legs, you know, as a female. And at the time, it was a challenging thing for me to do because I noticed um, some of the people that I was spending time with at that time had sort of a negative reaction to it. They would stare at my legs because I have very bushy leg hair. Like when it like grows out, it's very dark and long and like obvious, you know. And so um, they... I could feel people's reactions to it, but in my heart, I knew that I just didn't want to shave my legs anymore because that wasn't my true expression of myself in this lifetime. So I just went with it, even though it was a bit difficult at the time. And so it's the same with relationships. I just really try to listen for what I feel is right for me as best I can and then go with that intuition, even if it breaks rules, like societal rules, and um, that attract tends to attract what well, always attracts the the people who are going to vibe with me in that same way. So we're we're I'm like drawing in people into my reality that are similar. They're courageous. They're in tune with themselves. And then we can just enjoy each other's company because we have that in common. We're like, oh, I get you. You're, we're the same kind of way. So I would just invite you to. Um, to listen to what you want and maybe if things come up for you that you know are a little weird or scary because they they contradict some of the things that have been taught um by you know well-meaning but possibly ignorant people <laughs> and I don't mean ignorant as in bad I just mean not informed about different realities or possibilities is, is all you know maybe some fears might come up for you in that process but if you really maybe listen more to what you want to explore and just kind of see it as an adventure, the whole like game of life is an adventure. Maybe, you know, um, you'll be able to really enjoy and tap into those who want to do the same thing. Aha, that's awesome. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, what, what do you think? Like, what, did you have any goals at the time that, you know, he was like chasing you that, um, you know, just made you a little bit, like, together, you know, like, you have your stuff together, like, did you, like, work on anything that was, like, you know, where you don't focus on him, but you're just focusing on yourself, and instead, like, he likes you more, did you have that experience? So, let me see if I understand what you're asking, um, is there, are you asking, how do I ma maintain a good balance between my own stuff I'm working on, and, and then the relationship? 
it's just that a lot of relationship experts tell you that you need to have a life, you know, so that oh, uh-huh. like, yeah, so that you'll be more like attractive just by having your stuff together. Yeah. I think in that, the way that you just said that is really fascinating to me because when you, I've heard the same thing. A lot of relationships experts will put it that way, but it's, it's, if you look at the subtle way they're phrasing it, they'll say you should get your stuff together so that, or in order to attract said boyfriend, said partner. Well, that's a very backwards way of doing it. I think because you're trying to get something instead of just purely, doing your own life to the fullest because you genuinely want to live life. Like if you attach Mm -hmm. a carrot to the end of it and say, I'm going to get my stuff together so I can meet the right person, then you're not really fully doing it for yourself. You're just doing it to get an outcome. And that's kind of, I mean, it makes sense because our society is very goal based (laughs) and we like do X, you know, a plus B to get C instead of really just, figuring out do I even want to do a is that really me I mean so I think for me I just I never try to do anything with an outcome in mind I just try to figure out what I really want to do great thank you thank you Linda yeah I love what you said about the adventure you know and um it just speaks to me you know yeah have fun thank you so much for your call great advice thanks a lot Mm -hmm. bye Mm -hmm. Linda thanks Great. That's awesome. I really appreciate the dialogue opening around that on, yes, you know, it's so important that we actually do follow who we are and what I call like do our own human homework to be alive and be, be me, you know, and Mm -hmm. then, then I can hold open that space. And yeah, you know, the person who is meant to step in is going to step in. It's not about seeking or having to grasp at or get, you know, I appreciated hearing um, your comments on that as well, Anya. Like, yeah, Thanks. we can hold open the space and create magic. And <laughs> heart's desires. It's so fabulous. <laughs> we are going to take a short break and be right back after, um, after a short break. You are listening live to Body, Mind, Spirit Radio. Today is Tuesday, January 15th, 2019, and you are listening to Sacred Sexuality with Leslie Blackburn and special guest, Dr. Anya Light. If you would like to talk with Leslie and Anya live on the air, give us a call at 646-378-0378. That number again is 646-378-0378. And now back to your host, Leslie Blackburn. Great. Hey, yay. Thank you, my love. And thank you, um, Anya and Linda, for joining us with this question. And Anya, as we come back from our break, what I was thinking of is, um, you know, in your book, Opening Love, you discussed polyamory as a path for spiritual enlightenment. So what mm-hmm. does spiritual enlightenment mean to you? Mm, the million-dollar question. <laughs> 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 I, 
it's really simple and it just boils down to loving. And that doesn't mean necessarily sexual love, but it doesn't disclude it either. Mm-hmm. It's about waking up to the fact that we're all one being in disguise. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so it's, it's as, as I always um, like to bring in teachings from my favorite teacher, Ram Dass. So, and he, he talks a lot about living in multiple dimensions simultaneously, and that really resonates with me. And so it's this idea of simultaneously recognizing that we're one being and also we're unique. We have this unique um, destiny. We each have a different path to follow. So that's what I was talking about with Linda, with, you know, listening to who is your path in this lifetime? What do you want to do? And then also balancing it with recognition that we're all one. So it's not all about individuality and uniqueness. It is finding that harmony between the two. And I think, honestly, in a lot of religious paths, they get like hung up on like just being in one kind of side of it. Maybe they get hung up into the the one being as part, the one being way of viewing things. So then it's all about um, surrendering oneself to the group or to, you know, to a God or to whatever, which is beautiful as well. And I've like definitely experienced those things. Um, but, but then it gets a bit lost. The idea of our, our individual destiny and, and what, what can I express and create? So I think for me, enlightenment is about balancing the two, the yin and the yang, you know, the reality of oneness and also the reality of separateness simultaneously. And that, I mean, it's definitely a challenge. It's not easy mm-hmm. to be aware of those things, but I, I strive to, to do that. So, yeah. Yeah. It feels like, Ways in which I, I will, like, how can I notice me and the wider me, you know, widen, what I call kind of widening my perception or awareness so that I'm present with both, you know, that, yep, I get to be a spiritual being here in a physical body. And so noticing the physical body and noticing that I'm much wider than that and can tap into that infinite realm that we don't touch and see see with traditional senses and literally having kind of one foot in that realm of the other and one foot in 3d reality. Like it feels a little bit about what you're mentioning. Yes. Yeah. Um, And it's, it is, it's a practice. It's a, can we, can we slow down and notice? Can we slow down and notice? And Trust, you know, trust in the gifts of both, of being the infinite being yeah. and being in the body. Like, yay, body. <laughs> I love yeah. you. Yeah, instead of saying, oh, why am I in this stupid body? This body is so sinful and all that, you know. it's Yeah. 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 And, and then some paths <laughs> that really want to um, kind of use the body to begin to ignore it. Like, okay, let's, let's, trans- yes. let's transcend the body. And, and I'm like, mm that's never felt as super resonant. And so I just honor, as, as I heard you say, that there's many spiritual paths as beings on this planet is the way I put it. But this idea that all religious spiritual paths are, are unique to each person, you know, the way we may follow a collective one, and even those who do have their own expression of it. Um, 
And so, you know, what's it like to just honor our own exploration into what does it mean for us with guidance from those who've, you know, learned things before us. Great. Yeah, um, that's absolutely. Too. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yay. So, um, so as we now meet this, the spiritual side and the poly side and then like bring them together, like this conscious connection and relating um, and even, even you, you've mentioned a little bit about celibacy lately and mm-hmm. I'm appreciating like this idea of self-pleasure as what you named as conscious masturbation. I love it. This idea of a mm-hmm. self-pleasure practice. Um, what would you like to share about that? Oh, so many things, Leslie. <laughs> Yay, good. <laughs> okay. So I was doing the poly things for a number of years, and it was fantastic. And then I did this, like I was just saying, this sort of interesting reimagination of monogamy. And then after that, what I got really fascinated by was um, I started getting very deeply into the yogi path. Mm-hmm. And if you know anything about yoga or Hinduism or Vedanta, those things are all pretty interrelated. Um, they emphasize a lot about celibacy as this vehicle of um, gaining intuitive powers. You basically you you utilize the sexual energy in a different way instead of expressing it in like the typical ways that we do. Um, you 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 direct the channel the channels of the energy upwards and then um, mm-hmm. you know various accounts will say that different things happen but one thing that I thought would be cool would if you know what if this sexual energy helps to open my third eye chakra right mm-hmm. and so I thought well I'm going to give it a shot <laughs> I was absolutely also healing yeah healing from um, a relationship that had just transitioned into friendship away from a partnership and I was also in a, a place of just needing to be alone so it perfectly combined like it was good timing so um, I decided to embark on what I call my six-month celibacy project now I am, I just want to like say, I am an extremely sexual being. So it scared the crap out of me. (laughs) I was like, can I do this? I don't know. And originally my intention was going to be six months without even masturbation. It was completely just reimagining the sexual energy in service of this unblocking my intuition thing. But I got about three months into it and I felt like I was going insane, to be quite honest. I was mm-hmm. like, why am I tense? Why do I feel so angry? Oh my God, because I have not had an orgasm in three months. So mm-hmm. I, I kind of reevaluated at that point. I thought, you know, I said, I think the most important thing here is um, being in my own energy field and I'm going to bring masturbation in, but in a different way. So um, I have always experienced masturbation with the aid of visualization. So I would often visualize people that I found attractive or previous partners or, or things like that and kind of help me to get aroused, you know, but Mm -hmm. this time um, I went into it thinking, you know what, this is just about me. I don't even want to have thoughts about others. I just want it to be me, like a hundred percent me. (laughs) So I, yeah. And I can't believe this never occurred to me before, but you know, better late than never, I guess. So, (laughs) so (laughs) I started um, 
creating these like intricate rituals for myself and basically taking myself on a date, I guess you could say, you know, um, creating this whole space, lighting incense, finding the perfect music, lighting candles, dimming the lights, making the bed look really beautiful, um, just taking it, making a ritual space and then engaging with myself through this like conscious self-pleasuring where I'm not thinking about anybody else. I'm just enjoying myself and I am fully in the physical sensations because I'm a very mental person. I'm a very, I mean, I'm very spiritual, but I'm also very intellectual and I like, I use the mind. So I, but I disconnected from the whole visualization aspect of it and just went fully into the just sheer physical raw sensations in my body mm-hmm. and yeah. Leslie like what mm. a huge revelation because mm-hmm. I found that I was having the best orgasms I have ever had I mean like mm-hmm. whoa so mind-blowing <laughs> and like when it was over I would just lay there in complete shock like and and like pondering like wow, I can't believe I'm able to do this with myself. This is such a gift and feeling very empowered and wanting to share this with other women, because I think with women, we are taught absolutely that masturbation has this hint like wrongness, this sin, evilness to it. And so I think a lot of us, what we do to kind of cover up those uncomfortable feelings that have been conditioned into us is we, um, we kind of like don't fully let ourselves be present in the actual act of masturbating. We just kind of like rush through it or we just like, I don't know, use porn or we just, we are not fully there. We're just, yeah. yeah. And then we kind of feel crappy after we're like kind of tired or we just feel weird. So I realized that all those feelings had disappeared and that I had made this full pure transition into this self pleasuring thing, which was amazing. And then, so then I went the whole, I did go the whole six months without engaging with anyone else sexually, which was quite a feat for me. And, um, and, you know, I really learned a lot about myself and I learned that um, I got in touch with, with why people want to be celibate because I did feel a lot of positive shifts within myself, most notably that I could feel my own energy field more strongly where it gave me like a chance to just tune in, be like, what does Anya feel like? Where Mm -hmm. before I think I was a bit clouded. I wasn't fully sure what I felt like because I was having sexual relationships with people. So not that that was bad, but just, it was kind of not, not lending the clarity that I really wanted to have. So, I mean, I, that ended in mid November, that six month project. And now I'm kind of in this, interesting space where I'm evaluating where do I want to go next with my sexuality but I really love that it's an ongoing exploration it's never a static thing oh now I'm figured it out I'm I'm this label I'm done okay fine like case closed no it's this never-ending exploration I mean honestly don't foresee a time that I would ever not find this an interesting um avenue of exploration there's always different things to kind of to explore yes yeah, thank you so much for sharing your journey with with conscious celibacy for six months, like, and what you learned. I, I really heard you say, "Wow, what's it like to really be me and to peel away those layers of external distractions or external attempts to arouse?" I think there's a way in which we've been patterned that we have to 
be aroused by something or get aroused yes. by someone. And that there, it is so empowering. I heard you use that word empowering to claim our sexual sovereignty, to claim our power of choice with our sexuality. And I also heard you say, get clearer, you know, when we've interacted and engaged with other bodies, again, not a bad thing. Like you said, not a bad thing. And we are, we are totally intertwining and intermingling and um, to have the clarity of like, where am I in this and who am I and what are my needs and wants and desires um, is super empowering. And, and you mentioned, you know, the societal ways that we shut ourselves down um, from like, Oh, I'm not, I shouldn't touch myself or I shouldn't allow myself to, to feel good. Um, Mm -hmm. Reminds me of, of a story I'll share um, when I was early on in my, uh, well, quite far along in my spiritual, so I had what I'll call my spiritual awakening. So I'd woken up to see like, oh, wow, the world isn't what I thought it was. And, and um, I don't have to just grip the reins of life anymore. I can actually let go a little bit. And I'd been opening in my sexuality and, and in new ways of meeting my body and, and with by myself, but also with partners and um, and I was in a space, I was here in my home, um, my, and, and a little backstory, my, you know, I haven't lived with my mother since I was 17 and, uh, she lives across the country. So she's like 2000 miles away and she hasn't even been in this house. She came to visit once like 10 years prior to this experience. So now here I was, this was, oh, I don't know, 15 years ago, maybe. And I was in my own space. I was touching my, I was all alone, touching my own body <laughs> in conscious masturbation. Right. Well, and, and actually in, in some of the earliest, earlier phases of that for me. So I'm touching my body and it feels really good. And this is great. And wow, the, the energy's building and the arousal's building. And like, it gets this place where I'm like feeling, okay, great. You know, there's this orgasm just over the horizon. And right as I'm noticing that it's like, I slam into this glass ceiling that says, bam, you know, you're not allowed to feel this good. And I call it like the, uh-huh. the pleasure ceiling. And I had what I call fruit fly pop in. Now a fruit fly, I, the term I use for this, I coined because it seems like it's really random. Like, why are you here? Oh, <laughs> I've had that. And we, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And we tend to spot at them. Like, I don't want to deal with you right now. Just go away. Right. So this fruit fly is knocking at the door, coming in, and all of a sudden, all of the pleasure drops out. Like the container cracks, like the pleasure is just gone. <laughs> and what comes in is, oh, my God, what if mom finds out? What if mom walks yeah. in? Actually, it was specific. <laughs> oh, my God, you can't do this. What if mom walks in? You know, And all the pleasure drains out of the situation, and I'm worried that my mom walk in my bedroom. <laughs> I was like in my early thirties. Like I said, I haven't lived with my mother since I was 17. You know, by now I've had my own child. Like it's, it's crazy. Wow. So it was so obvious. It was so shocking because it was so not true, but, but it had come in. I realized after I realized during this process, how much that had come in and shown up and shut down the process or shifted it, you know, like made it tense and contracted or, Ooh, I better hurry up, but be really quiet or be closed or secretive about this instead of the really hard open, wide, loving, like, Wee! you know, the space of delight um, yeah. it closed it down. And because it was so obvious 
fruit flies aren't always like they tend to come in thousands of times before we really see them. <laughs> We're lucky if we only see them a few times before we recognize them. Um, but that like I was able to go, wow, I, I and I laughed. I'm like, this is so ridiculous. I, I am a grown adult touching my body and feeling good. I'm allowed to claim that. And I did like I made a conscious ritual decision that day. I am claiming my sovereignty. I'm allowed to touch my body and feel good. And so I let the sensation pass, like I let it come in and I went, well, that's ridiculous. Laughed out loud a little bit and then spoke it like I claim my sexual sovereignty. I claim sexual pleasure. I'm allowed to feel good. I'm allowed to touch my body. And I began to touch again and let the orgasmic sexual energy fuel that affirmation, you know, fuel that shift to say, I don't have to live this old story. And it made a huge shift in unlocking sexual energy in new ways as I, as I continued with my practice later. So yeah, like consciously touching our body. Yay. I just want to like, oh, affirm wow. the amazingness. <laughs> yes. And like we were talking about earlier, you know, everyone has a different path that works for them. So maybe some people, if they hear this, they think, I don't think that sounds fun. And that's cool too. Like, you know, yeah. it's just, it's just about totally. presenting this option for people that maybe that if they heard about it, they would think, oh, wow, someone else does that. I, that gives me permission to explore that too, you know? So. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. And, and I'll speak it. I'll offer this to listeners out there. Hey, email me because I have, um, I have a self-pleasure ritual that I created that is um, that I documented in a video and, and then written instructions. I, I totally geeked out about this and I'm happy to share it. Just reach out and uh, send an email. Um, you can see my email at my website, leslieblackburn.com. Send an email and ask about it. And I'd be happy to share it. It's this really sweet way of how can we consciously listen to the body in intentional self-touch and self-pleasure and have that be a way of, um, listening with care. And maybe there are some stories like that was one I had. That was a story I was holding in my body that I shouldn't feel pleasure mm-hmm. because I'm going to get in trouble, you know, or that I'm a bad girl for feeling pleasure. That was another one I had unpacked um, prior to that. And, you know, there's ways our body holds these experiences or these old stories or ways, you know, that we've been told or taught or just it's held in the collective that we don't have to carry anymore. And yeah. How can we meet ourselves with the care and the love to say, like, I don't have to, I don't have to own that. I can unwind that and give myself some new space. Um, and like you said, no pressure. It's not about having to um, do anything that you don't feel called to do. Um, and there's, I've found a freedom in listening to my body and letting the stories be unwound, the ones that hold me back from feeling me. Mm. Yeah, mm. so beautiful. Mm. Yay. <laughs> I'm so loving this with you. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Yay, self-pleasure. <laughs> There's, Yay. I mean, it's still so taboo. Even for, I remember the other day posting on my Facebook wall and in my newsletter saying, here's the topics I think we're going to talk about. And as I'm typing like conscious masturbation, I'm running through mentally the people who could potentially see this, like some yes. family members, some people that I'm doing professional business with. And I'm like, 
Oh man. Well, I, you know, I mean, cause I know that people have very strong reactions to these things. They don't, they're not comfortable even hearing on the topic and they just make assumptions about a person's morality based on that. And so, mm-hmm. uh, but I mean, I'm tired of being afraid all the time. And if it feels aligned, then I will speak on things, even if it does maybe have negative consequences down the line in terms of, you know, some, I mean, I mean, it's not that I go out of my way to always be a rebel just for the sake of being a rebel. It's not that it's just what, what does spirit want to share through me? I mean, before the interview started, I'm just sitting here feeling I'm saying, I haven't saying a prayer and saying, just use me, tell me the words to speak. It's, I, I truly feel like a conduit and I, I feel like this, you know, sacred sexuality, this topic, this area is still so unexplored, it, yeah. it, it, you know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you know way more about that than I do. I mean, this is your primary area. This is so, uh, you know, like, what do you think? Do you think in the last 10 years or something like you've seen a shift? I mean, how do you feel? Is this being received? Yes. Oh my gosh. Thank you for that. Yeah. Um, yes, it is. And I've seen such powerful shifts. You know, I've been, um, I stepped away from corporate. I was in the corporate world as a, in a, you know, with a bachelor's and master's in mechanical engineering for 15 years doing this really analytical gig and which was great and of service and spirit came in and went, bamo, you're not meant to do this forever. I'm like, Oh my God. <laughs> Holy crap. And then getting called into sacred sexuality, right? Like what a switch engineered a sacred sexual healer. Okay. (laughs) And and, um, following that because, because it was, as you just said, like, Oh, I'm opening to be the conduit. Like in my case at first, it felt like more like I was being grabbed by the scruff of the neck. Like we're going to just pick your ass up and move you like you're over here. Bam. And I'm like, okay, Uh um, I'm going to trust that you're showing me what I'm supposed to be doing. Uh-huh. And and then listening. And then, you know, 10 years or over 10 years ago now, having left that and really stepping into sacred sexuality as more than a personal path, but a professional one. Um, and now seeing clients for 10 years that I have seen this shift, you know, in thousands and thousands of hours that I've worked with beings either privately or in group sessions. And um, the, the, power of the transformation that's happening right now you know all of this was over the arc of the 2012 uh, gate that you know spiraling and spiraling out from that that is faster and faster things are happening and shifting in the consciousness realms and in our sexual the territory of our sexual energy and what I'm really feeling right now is those who have felt called into supporting others in their sexual empowerment. You know, what's it like to come together as a community? Because there's, as we feel our own calling into that for our own journey, that's one phase or one facet. And then there's those that really feel the call of like, I'm supposed to speak about this. You know, as I heard you say, like, I'm supposed to speak out and that that's scary. And that there are others, you know, that were, we're feeling called to speak out, to take action, to engage with and offer 
what's it like to feel and connect with this path in, in your own journey, you know, with others, that mm-hmm. there's, there's an acceleration of that as well, that it's not just the personal journey of how do I meet this for myself, but it's also those who feel that call to support mm-hmm. those who do that. And that's actually the next piece that I'm offering in the world is this three-month leadership program around what's it like to come together so that we can co-create this container where we really hold the space for those who feel that calling into supporting others in sexual empowerment to move through our own layers of the deep, dark stuff, because there's always Mm. that, Mm -hmm. you know, this is a path of through so that we can connect with that clarity and joy on our purpose and together co-create a culture of love and respect for our bodies and each other and humanity and the planet. Like that yes. to me, like my wish is I'm oh. seeing, and, and I'm seeing that shift, you know, it's happening. Yeah. Yeah. It really is like the world around me. I see it. And, um, so yeah, there's been an ex- absolute acceleration, and I think, uh, yeah, I'm, oh, honored God, sorry. Part, I'm honored to to see it and be a part of it. I think that you see the shift because you believe it's possible. Mm. If people, you know, are believing that things are getting worse or that, you know, I mean, there's all kinds of like different theories about the way the planets moving what the direction is and stuff and if i've noticed that people that have this pessimistic um world view of it's getting worse or you know they that's what they perceive it is getting worse for them and then the others who are thinking i mean i was just talking to a dear friend a couple of days ago and he said you know i think heaven is right here on earth and i said yes that is how i feel too because that's i mean maybe it's not here a hundred percent of the time yet, but it's on the way to being that. And, you know, and that's, that concept is very foreign for many people that have this idea of like, um, maybe we have to transcend the earth. Maybe the earth is like a really hard knocks kind of school that we can eventually like get the hell out of, or, you know, different ideas, or like, you know, there's a heaven and we need to like kind of just struggle through this bad earth and then get to this better place and it's like there's all these different paradigms of of how it all works and for me it it never really makes sense to kind of go anywhere else it's like okay i'm right here okay i'm not gonna just yeah wait for something else yeah. i'm <laughs> right. let's create it right here we can we're yeah. co-creators in this yes and and yeah. i do i feel it i feel the times when it's like oh my gosh you know, aligning to our soul purpose, when I feel the most aligned with my soul purpose, I feel the most present and clear and yes and wow, and I'm so grateful to be alive. And I think the tricky thing is when we've, when I, for example, was sort of ignoring pieces of my soul purpose or trying, like they were calling me and I was like, I don't know, I don't know, you know, pushing them aside. <laughs> and like, when you just sort of surrender and go, Let's, how do I, how about if I put some energy into actually allowing that alignment rather than resisting it. (laughs) Yeah. Then maybe. Yeah. So, um, so anyway, that brings us to a time when I'm noticing we need to wrap up and I'm so grateful Anya for sharing this call and uh, 
time with you and for hearing your your delightful insights and wisdom. And let's now, we're going to come to a close. We're going to come to a break, and then I will guide us through one last piece as we end for today. So thank you so much, Anya, for joining us. Thanks, Leslie. You're beautiful. Mm, much love. Thank you for joining us today. You are listening live to Sacred Sexuality with Leslie Blackburn and special guest, Dr. Anya Light. Dr. Light is an intuitive life coach, meditation teacher, Reiki master, and poet. She is the author of Opening Love, Intentional Relationships and the Evolution of Consciousness. Currently, she is writing a book about healing trauma. In Sanskrit, the word Anya means inexhaustible. She gave herself the name as a symbol of her inexhaustible passion to help others on their healing journeys, and her core message is love. Dr. Anya Light offers private healing sessions in Ohio, as well as to anyone in the world via phone or Skype. She teaches workshops across the United States and internationally. Learn more at www.anyalight.com. That's www.anyalight.com. Leslie Blackburn has a detailed website where you can find radio podcasts, videocasts, and more free resources at leslieblackburn.com. The website is mobile-friendly and has the full class and event schedule, information on private sessions, mailing list sign-up, and much more, again, at leslieblackburn.com. Announcing Leslie's new leadership program for those who support others' sexual empowerment. The program is titled Claiming Your Sacred Sexual Shamanic Self, and applications are open now. See details at leslieblackburn.com and fill out the interest chat form to see if to see about having a conversation with uh, her about whether this is the right thing at the right time for you. Leslie also offers private sessions and has helped many hundreds of individuals and couples over years on their path of sacred sexuality. Sessions are available either in person or by Zoom, Skype, or phone. See details on the website under Classes and Coaching. There are also options for home study practices. Sacred sexuality classes on four new topics are now available by video. You can purchase access to these at the website. And the Tantric Energy Touch Workshop is available as an audio CD. Order order now online at the website. The best way to get announcements about upcoming events, as well as inspirational stories, videos, and radio show archives, is to subscribe to the email newsletter by clicking on the link on the website, lesslieblackburn.com. And a reminder that Leslie is available for speaking engagements. Also, if you like what you heard today and want more, there's a whole new way to support Leslie in bringing these sacred sexuality teachings into the world and get amazing rewards for it, including sneak peeks of her new book, which is currently underway. Become a patron at slash Leslie Blackburn. And now back to your host, Leslie Blackburn. Hmm. Thank you, my love. Ah, and thank you all for settling in, for listening, for co-creating in this space. Thank you, Anya. Thank you, callers. And thank you to you. Let yourself feel your body. Notice, once again, ground, earth, and the way we can trust in feeling the support of the planet. along with acknowledging ease, space, and light as we feel into the midlines of our body, 
the centers of the brain and the space above the connection with other, with mystery, with soul purpose. Our bodies are so sacred. We are the vessels of possibility as we meet and balance the qualities of what I will call divine feminine, divine masculine, meeting within us in our own unique balance, no matter our gender, no matter how we identify in our bodies. (sighs) Allowing yourself to dance your unique expression of who you are. And with a deep breath of gratitude, Thank you, thank you. Namaste. Thank you for joining us today for Sacred Sexuality with Leslie Blackburn and special guest Dr. Anya Light. To contact them and for more information, visit their websites, www.anyalight.com. That's www.anyalight.com and lesslieblackburn.com. Thanks, everyone, for joining us, and have a beautiful day. Join us again next time for continued support on your path of self-realization. The power is within you to heal your body, connect deeply with others, manifest your heart's desires, and experience your deepest bliss. By our healing, we impact others, inspiring love for humanity and the planet. Thank you for joining us for Sacred Sexuality with Leslie Blackburn.